Good morning, everyone. Thank you for giving us a, a Sunday off. Jill and I were in the Phoenix area last week because you can fly there and you can come back and not have to have three days of quarantine. And uh, we had a, a good good time. Uh, we have several friends that live in that area and we spent time with them. We uh, had a great time of Saturday church worship, which... I'm looking forward to the day that we need to have service on Saturday night because it's my favorite. It is. Um, we used to have Saturday service and then we could go to dinner or go watch a movie. And if you weren't the pastor, you didn't have to come back on Sunday. And that was pretty nice too. Except I was the pastor, so I had to come back on Sunday. Um, be with us next week. Uh, it, it, it's a family talk. And I just want to share, just very briefly, we're, we're in a season of time that uh, when, when I was asked to come, when Jill and I were asked to come in a six-page text, will you come? And I answered, yes. And the response was, that was quick. Aren't you going to think it over and talk to your wife? I didn't realize she was in on the text. And she wrote, I'm okay with it. So that's how we ended up here. Me typing yes, and she said, I'm okay with it, or something to that effect, and, and here we are. Um, she was mentioning about doing some research in Foursquare. Uh, I've just been an approver of reports, and, and Dale has been persistent, and actually, officially, I got an email this week that says, congratulations, you've been appointed the pastor. Okay, nice to know. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, it, it, obviously, I didn't really care. Um, I was more concerned about God's appointment. Anyway, so we've been talking about gifts, spiritual gifts. And some of you, uh, let me back up. Time out. Chris Jackson was on fire last week. Uh, Jill and I um, each had our devices out and we enjoyed service. He was on fire. In fact, I'm going to invite him again. And I'm going to invite him on a Sunday that I'm here, uh, just so you know that I approve this message. <laughs> he was great. He was great. And so, Chris, thank you. And I'm glad you get to be with your family today in Southern California. Uh, but he'll be back next week. We are so grateful for those of you that have partnered with us this last year and a half. And, and it's been kind of the Mark show. And I don't know if you've noticed in the last several weeks we've been engaging other people to lead different things. And that, that is a, something that we're going to continue to do as we develop. Uh, us formalizing a membership or, or reformalizing it or reforming a list or whatever you want to call it is something new. Us instituting a family meeting, that's something we're supposed to do. Dale's going to present some, uh, well, we'll not bore you with financials, but we'll let you know where it, where it comes from and where it goes. Um, Greg doesn't know this yet because I didn't have a chance to talk to him, but he's got a great initiative going on that's changing our media presence, and I'm going to have him share a little bit about that, and it's very exciting. And you'll see some different technical gizmos coming in, uh, starting with our new computer, which is operating today much more flawlessly than I am, but it's there, so we'll be hearing about that. Um, we'll have you ratify some council members, and notice I said ratify, not we, churches, we don't have losers, so it's not 
Joe versus Sally, and whoever gets the most votes. You'll be given some names, you'll say yes or no. Fair enough? And that's, that's how we'll do it. And I'll encourage you to say yes. I'm not going to tell you to say yes. I'm going to encourage you to say yes. So anyway, that's what we're going to do. And then there's a couple things that Joe and I want to just talk about family matters. Uh, it, it's time that we pivot as a church. It's time that we pivot. Uh, I have been very, very respectful of our traditions, of our habits, of our patterns. But I want to posture us as a church for growth. And I want us to make our church not about us. You say, well, I'm comfortable this way. That's nice. We have seats that testify of people that have needs. And I have people ask me all the time, Pastor, can I come to your church? I said, you know why we have doors? (laughs) That's why we have doors. It's not us for no more. This world today needs God more than ever before. And so we've got to get past this thinking, and forgive me, I'm kind of giving away some of the things. We've got to get past it being about us. And we have church habits that were formed in the 90s. That we do. But we're in 2021. I don't know if you've noticed, we've been trying to start on time. Why? Because we had a habit of, well, let's wait till people get here. No, you're not here. 10 o'clock, we're going to start. So now you know. So some of you are thinking about not coming next week and say, man, I want to hear more. Anyway, there's three kinds of charismatic gifts we've been talking about in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to skip all those verses, Kelly. Uh, we talked about a couple of weeks ago, three, four weeks ago, the discerning gifts, the perceiving or knowing gifts. Do you remember that? Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and discerning of spirits. Notice I said discernment is not a gift. Discernment comes with age and experience. Discerning of spirits is a gift. And you're discerning spiritual things, opposition to your marriage, to your family, your finances. Wouldn't you want to have that? So we talked about that. We talked about the declarative gifts, the speaking gifts, prophecy, gift of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. I am going to focus, not next week, not the week after, whatever the week is after that, whatever day she said, add seven, um, about the prayer language of the Spirit. I am going to focus on that in a special teaching. Today I want to talk about the dynamic gifts, or the power gifts, the dynamic gifts. Where do they get their name? They get their name from the Greek word dunamis. And guess where we get dynamite from? Dunamis. It's an explosive, dynamic power. And there are three gifts that are mentioned that are the power gifts, or the the dynamic, the explosive gifts. Faith, healings, notice it's plural, healings, and miracles. Those are the three things I want to focus on today, and that's where we're going to go. So when we talk about power gifts, we're talking a word that means ability, uh, strength, power, those kinds of things. It's an inherent power. It's a power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature. In other words, because you walk with Jesus and because the Spirit of God is in you, because of who you are and who you are related to, there's an innate power. It's not something that... You, you have to mix up five, you know, I have newt and whatever else and put something together and try to come up with some potion of things. It's not that way. It is something that revi- resides in you by virtue of its nature. Who resides in you? Well, the Holy Spirit. 
And who owns all the gifts? The Holy Spirit. And so he can give that to you. Um, you know, when um, Mr. Nobel, Mr. Peace Prize, you know what he invented, right? Dynamite. He actually named dynamite after this Greek word, dunamis, okay? Uh, Kelly read the verses this morning, so let's get right into whatever point is. It's the gift of faith, so whatever slide that is, Kelly, sorry about that. Uh, you get to learn to fly with Mark. The gift of faith. This is supernatural confidence. Supernatural confidence. Now, let me clarify something. Jill asked this question in the car. We all have faith. It said, the Bible says to each man is given, and when it says man, it means to each person, human, is given the measure of faith. So we all have the faith that we need to believe. No one can say, well, I can't believe in God or I can't believe Christ saved me. You can because you've been given the measure of faith. Whatever the measure you need to believe that Christ is Savior and, and you can be saved, you can be born again, you can be restored, renewed, all of those things, you have that measure. But this gift is a supernatural confidence or an endowment of belief and confidence in a specific situation. In a specific situation. Leslie Kegel tells a story of a, a lady that came to him. Leslie Kegel's is our, our missionary in Sri Lanka. He came, this lady came up holding a baby, and the baby's very quiet. And the lady said, will you pray for, pray for my baby? And he did. And then the baby started crying, and he apologized. I'm sorry, I, I upset your baby. And the woman was crying and crying and crying, because the baby was dead. He said, I didn't know. I was apologizing that I had woke the baby up. The lady was thrilled. Huh? Yeah, okay. Uh, I don't know. I've often wondered if God gave me this gift at a funeral, if I'd have the courage <laughs> to act on it. You, you see what I said it was? A supernatural endowment of belief or confidence for a specific situation. There have been times that I have prayed for people, and I just knew. That's why I brought it up. In fact, we, we had a season of time. It seemed like... The Lord was bringing people into our life, generally women that wanted to have babies and couldn't. And, and it, it was embarrassing, frankly, because it was like they didn't say anything. I go, well, the thing you're dreaming for is going to happen. Let me pray for you. And it happened four or five times in a row. And one lady's had five kids since then. So, ladies, stay away. <laughs> just, just letting you know. Yeah, yeah, let's, you have that need. We don't at our house. Um, the Christian life is a faith-based life. Everything about our life is about faith. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. How did you believe? You had faith. Jesus encouraged faith. Look in Mark chapter 11. Peter remembered what Jesus had said to the tree. Remember that it came out and there was a fig tree and it had nothing on it, and it should have because by the fact that it was having leaves and the way they were formed, that should have been ready for harvest. They weren't. And so Jesus rebuked the tree, and look what happens. The next day, Peter remembers what Jesus said to the tree and said, Look, Rabbi, the fig tree you cursed has withered and died. And Jesus said to his disciples, I'm impressive. <laughs> No, he said, have faith in God. Have faith in God. 
I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. Now, there's a phrase I think I put in your notes. I hope I put it in your notes. And I certainly hope I put it in the PowerPoint, Kelly. And it says, because Jesus emptied himself of the attributes of his divinity, he operated in all the spiritual gifts to a great degree. You need to catch that. If it's in, did I put it in your notes? If I did, circle it. Get out your highlighter and highlight it. It's the key to this entire teaching about the Holy Spirit. We get this idea that, well, yeah, Jesus did it because he was God. But if we read Philippians 2, it says he emptied himself. He emptied himself of all of those things. In other words, I've got healing and, and power and miracles and all of these things. I've got them. I'll leave them here. I'll leave them here. There is nothing recorded in the ministry of Jesus about him doing the miraculous until after he was baptized in the Spirit. The same Spirit that we can be baptized in. That's why Jesus said what he said. Greater works than these you shall do. Why? Because they go to the Father. How does it make sense that if I leave, you'll do better? Well, because Jesus was in one place at one time with one group. Yes? The Holy Spirit can be everywhere. So what's neat is here it is at 5 to 11 on Sunday, whatever date it is, uh, in April 25th, because tomorrow's the 26th, and I can't forget that. Um, it's her birthday. Uh, <laughs> cannot forget that. I might have forgotten that. Um, anyway, um, we need to understand that simple truth that Jesus was limited, but the Holy Spirit is not. He's here in our church. He's here in your lives at home. But think of all the other churches that are meeting right now. And you can be there too. Whereas if we were waiting for Jesus, no offense, but I doubt we'd be on his tour. Jesus operated in the gift of faith. Look at Mark chapter 4. And evening came, Jesus said to the disciples, let's cross the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking out into the boat and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. Isn't that a great thing? Here's what they're thinking. I'm going to give you what's going on in the boat. Dude, we told him not to go. We'd been on our weather app, and they said, See, Galilee, unsuspects, you know, just watch out. There'll be unexpected storms, swells. Stay out. Just stay off the lake tonight. He says go. He's the boss. We said, okay, so we went. And now what's he doing? He's napping. That's what was going on. Now, how do I know that? Because it says the disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? <laughs> yeah. Don't you care? We've heard you walk on water. <laughs> we don't. And Peter's experience at that is not good. Go home and look it up if you don't know the story I'm referencing. When Jesus woke up, 
What did he do? He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. Look at what he did. He didn't wake up and pray. He spoke to the storm because he had the gift of faith for a specific circumstance. Does that make sense? Do you know Ananias, you remember him? He had a gift of faith. Let, let, me, let me tell you briefly what his deal was. There's this man named Saul. Not cool. Saul makes his living and reputation going around killing Christians. That's what he does. And as he's on his way to Damascus, you know, he has this experience where a light comes, knocks him off his donkey, he can't see. He goes to a house. He has this vision where he is told, there's this guy, his name Ananias, he's going to come. Okay, that's nice if you're on the Saul side of the equation. Yes? What if you're Ananias? And you hear the Lord saying, Mark, I'm calling you about Saul. The caller is not available at this time. Leave a message after the beep. Right? Let's be honest. But look at what he did. Yes, Lord. The Lord said, Go to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He's praying to me right now. Okay, I wouldn't have heard that he's praying to me right now. Once you named his name, Saul of Tarsus, go to a house where the guy killing us is. He's the reason we moved last night's meeting. Think about it. I have shown him a vision of a man with your name, which I'd be saying, you know, Mark's pretty common. <laughs> Wrong Mark. He's right over there. He's bigger than me, and he's stronger than me. Huh? You think about it. You say, you're being silly. No, I'm not. You'd be... If we're human, that's how we'd respond. The reason I know this happened, he says, But Lord, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to believers in Jerusalem. And he's authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, see, I'm not making this up. It's in here. Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as, to, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Obviously, Ananias was sensitive to God and to the Spirit. Because look at verse 17. So Ananias went and found Saul. It doesn't say he was packing. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, Brother Saul, what a change. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. He regained his sight. Then he got up and was water baptized. Look at what he did. 
He went, he prayed, and he laid hands. That was supernatural gift of faith for a specific circumstance. Does that make sense? Number whatever it is, the gift of healings. Healings. This is supernatural healings. Uh, this is, uh, the gift is a, a supernatural endowment of divine health. Remember, the Holy Spirit owns and distributes this gift. The gift of healings. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says, It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. I've functioned in this gift on occasion. I'm not a healer. That's not my calling. My calling's pastor-teacher. We'll talk about that next week. But there's time, because it's the Holy Spirit's gift, that he gives it to you. I'll, I'll never forget. <laughs> I'll never forget. This was some years ago, and we had a prayer time, kind of like we did today, but we could actually mingle among the people. And so Jill and I went out, and there was a couple, and a guy was complaining that his feet hurt all the time. And so we'd ask some questions, and, and basically we found out he didn't have arches. And so... I'm sitting there thinking, now this will give you an idea of who's spiritual in our home. I'm thinking, okay, let's just pray a generic prayer and get out of here. Let's go to the next aisle. Because we were given this pie of the auditorium. Let's move on. Not her. No, bless God, she gets down on the floor, puts her hands, and prays for big old arches or give him huge arches. I think she may have said, uh, my interpretation of what she said was, give him big old hurricane arches. <laughs> I'm thinking, let's just get out of here. This is a no-win deal. Is this okay that I'm... Sure. All right. Yeah. So he comes to church the next time we have church, and he says... I don't know if it was the pool or the shower he got out, but when he stepped on the floor for the first time in his life, there was a gap in the wet spot. He got big old arches. Now, you're sitting there thinking, okay, so Jill is an arch healer. No. The Holy Spirit had that gift. She had faith and the gift of healing for that circumstance. I'm glad she did because I didn't. Does that make sense? The Holy Spirit uses someone in a group to deliver healing power. Jesus operated in the gifts of healing. We have no record that he healed prior to the baptism in the Spirit. Now, you remember in Luke chapter 5, you know this story? Jesus was teaching. Some Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting nearby. Uh, it seemed that these men showed up from every village in Galilee and Judea as well as Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly on Jesus. Some men were carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him in, inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went to the roof and took off some tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on a mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Would you freak out if this drywall... <laughs> Chris and I tried to get up here a few weeks ago when we fixed this TV... That, I'd freak out if something came through that drywall. 
seeing their faith, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, young, young man, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to themselves, who does he think he is? That blasphemy, only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, uh, why do you question uh, this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? Now think about it. If I'm trying to dodge something, it's easier for me to say your sins are forgiven. Right? Because how do you prove that? But if I say stand up and walk, and he doesn't, <laughs> that's how man would look at it. That's not how Jesus was looking at it. He said, so I'll prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. Notice he did not pray. And immediately, as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up the mat, and went home praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe, and probably fear should be added to that phrase. And they praised God, exclaiming, we have seen amazing things today. Here was Jesus functioning in gifts of healing. There are times in Jesus' life when the power was more present than in other times. Think of his hometown. In Mark chapter 6, because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Here's a guy going all over the northern part of Israel, and he's got testimony after testimony of what's happening. He gets to his hometown, and because of their lack of faith, the gifts of healings were not present. You know, the, the disciples functioned in this gift after Pentecost. Remember the, the crippled guy that sat at the beautiful gate? You remember that? And, and the friends helped him there daily, and he begged for money. Do you realize that, yeah, Peter and John were used by the Spirit and had the gift of healings to see him healed, right? That's in Acts chapter 3. But think who walked by him for years, See, we often think there's this huge gap between Jesus walking on earth and then Acts 3, 40 years later. Jesus had walked by that guy. When he saw, this is the guy sitting there. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, the crippled beggar at the gate asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently and Peter said, look at us. Well, that'd be cool. It's kind of like when you're seeing a stop sign and somebody comes out and you roll your window down. What are they expecting? Some money. Hi, I've got a job for you. He's expecting money. Look at us. The layman looked eagerly expecting some money, but Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold. Not cool. But I'll give you what I have in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Get up and walk. Notice he didn't pray. And Peter took the layman by the right hand, helped him up. As he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went to the temple with him. That's an example of gift of healing. Number five, I think, is the working of miracles. This is divine intervention that alters circumstances. You pray for somebody's baby, and they come back to life. 
That's a miracle. Wouldn't you think? You say, well, miracles were time of the Bible. Well, first of all, I submit to you that God is immutable. That means he never changes. Do you know God worked miracles in the Old Testament? Remember in 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah walked up to the altar and prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, prove today that you're God and I'm your servant. Prove that I've done all this at your command. Answer me, answer me, O Lord, so that these people will know that I will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. Immediately fire from the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the bull, the wood, the stones, and the dust. It even licked up the water in the trench. And when the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground and cried, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Well, that's nice. That's an Old Testament thing. Well, what does is, what is Hebrews tell us? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Jesus worked miracles in the New Testament. The gift of miracles is divine intervention that alters circumstances. You'll notice that all three of these power gifts kind of intermingle. Faith and miracles. Now you'll say, in some cases, the person receiving has to have faith that there can be a miracle. But there are other times that they have no faith at all. It's the faith of the person praying that is honored, and there's a miracle. Most of you know I went to Oral Roberts University. Most of you know who Oral Roberts was. Uh, he was a healing evangelist back in the 40s and 50s. He went around with a big tent. They actually had three tents. You had uh, the main one, and then you had people that were sick in one tent, and then the really sick people in, in another tent. Well, uh, when he founded the university, they started bringing people to us. At a 10,000 seat auditorium, people would fly in all over to Tulsa. We'd have a three-day seminar, and the last thing that would happen would be the day that he would teach on healing and miracles. And if you had prayer just like we stood today, uh, you could come down and Oral and Evelyn and Richard and Lindsay would, that's the Roberts family, would lay hands and pray. But then there was four lines. So it would be eight rows, four lines of students, about 50 each. And after they prayed for you, you'd go down one of those rows and the students would pray. It was an amazing thing to see. Because many of us worked on teams that went to the airport on Thursday and picked people up. And we'd wheel them out to the bus. And then we'd put their wheelchair under the bus. And then when they got to the university, we'd take them out. And they got back in to go to their hotels. We, we did all of that. And it was so neat to see people come up, walk through the line. Some of them, when, when we called him President Roberts, because he's president of our university, uh, he'd pray for them and they'd, they'd get up out of a wheelchair. Many rolled right on by. Nothing happened. But you'd see them, sometimes 20 or 30 students into the row, and you'd hear maybe a little noise, and what's the ruckus? And you'd look over, and a person would get out. And they'd start walking. See, they released their faith. You see, you'll notice every one of these people that we've talked about today, the Lord said, or the miracle was, stand up. You have to do something. You have to participate. You have to agree with what's happening. I can't make you stand. I can tell you, you can stand, but you have to stand. And it was so neat because on Sunday night or Monday when we were taking those people back to the airport, it was always so much fun 
when those happened because the people that had come in the wheelchair on Thursday would be pushing the wheelchair on Sunday or Monday and they'd have their suitcase in it. <laughs> that was cool. God works miracles. My friend Ted Ulbrich in, in Cambodia, uh, who I consider an apostle, by the way, which we'll talk about in a couple of weeks, or next week, actually, um, tells, tells a story of a lady that uh, in their, one of their 4,000 churches died, and, and the orphans, because they run 110 orphanages or so, uh, prayed for her, and she came back to life. And when she came back to life, they said she was the most angry, bitter, and she said, don't ever do that again. I saw where I'm going. Why did you bring me back? And 30 days later, when she died the second time, they did not pray. These were children, young teenagers that prayed for this lady. That's a miracle. My life's a miracle. You don't fall in water with electricity and stand there for seven minutes and come out and nobody knows what to do but pray. That's a miracle. But you know, there's other great miracles too that you don't see that, if, that aren't in the physical. Somebody who has a deep hurt, a wound. That's a miracle too when God speaks a word and it's gone. Yes? When there's unforgiveness and God speaks a word and forgiveness flows, that's a miracle. God works miracles. Here's the good news. I'm done. All of the gifts that we've talked about are available for everyone. You'll notice it says gift of healings and gift of miracles. They're plural. It's not a gift of healing. I have a gift. No, it's gift of healings. Healings. There's different kinds of healings. There's spiritual healings. There's emotional healings. There's mental healings. There's physical healings. There's relationship healings. All of those things are healings. There are miracles. Physical, emotional Mental, you, you get where I'm going. See, the presence of the Holy Spirit offers the possibility of our works exceeding Jesus. As I close, John chapter 14, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. Father, this morning we thank you for the truth of your word. Uh, we're thankful that the greatest gift that we've ever received is the gift of salvation. We're also grateful that Jesus gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the holder of gifts. And he comes into our life and gives us the gifts that we need to address circumstances and situations that we face. Thank you for that. Amen and amen. Well, thanks for being here today. Join us for our family meeting next week. God bless you. Have a great, great week.